0: Welcome to Bottoms on Top.
1: I'm John. And I'm Andreas. And we're happy to have you. Today, we're going to be bringing on Nick Joyner, as per usual, for his silly faggot corner, and then we'll be talking to Seb Dombrowski about androgynous presentation. Andreas, what's good? <laughs>
0: Oh, John, not much. I have been spending a lot of time on the internet, going to the gym.
1: You had a dentist appointment today.
0: I did have a dentist appointment today.
1: I know because you FaceTimed me, and I got so excited to talk to you. I was laying in bed sick, and then I answered it. And you immediately hung up. I just saw a <laughs> glimpse of your face with like the little like, tiled ceiling above your head. So I knew you were in some like office building or something.
0: Yeah, that was a complete accident. I'm so sorry. I was trying to redial another dentist because <laughs> I went to a different... De- I was in a rush one day. I went to another dentist. I needed a cleaning. And then I needed to call them for something. But today I went back to my OG dentist. And um, they recently expanded to a second floor. Oh. And I don't know what happened when they hired for the second floor staff, but it's just a bunch of daddies, like, bearded dentists, like, muscular, like, open up, and I'm like, oh, oh of course, I'm a shy girl, but oh
1: my. <laughs> hygienists, dentists, both? Um, all of them, like, assistants, hygienists, like. I would love, because, you know, the hygienist really does, I would say, a bulk of the legwork. So I would love to have a nice meaty pair of mitts inside of my mouth during a (laughs) cleaning. And, you know, I
0: thought about you because I know that you do think that dentist is one of the more attractive medical professions.
1: I want to fuck a dentist every day of my life. (laughs) I think it's because my dentist is really nice to me um, because I always say that I have good teeth. I wouldn't say I have a, a good smile But the parts individually are like strong and healthy like a horse. And I think that puts me in good favor every time I go to the dentist. Like I just open up and they're like, oh, John, it's so good to see you. And when I was little and I had nasty teeth, dentists were never nice to me. So I think it's something about being complimented in that way that I'm really drawn to. But all of my, I think that since I was like 10, all of my hygienists and dentists have been women. Oh my god. We're we're getting Sammy. word from our production assistant Sammy Gordon that he was tallying how many times Andrea said like during a previous segment. Sammy why don't you why don't you come on down? We'll introduce you to the people.
0: I hear he had a lot to say about me behind the glass the other day, <laughs> as if I don't have headphones. <laughs> Sammy, I can't believe Ugh. you. I can't believe you, Sammy. Okay,
1: Sammy Gordon looking snatched as usual. Skinny legend. We love Sammy. Sammy, say hello. Hello. So Sammy's our production assistant. He's a freshman from Boston, Massachusetts. Wellesley, Massachusetts. Ooh, Wellesley. Tell us more about yourself, Sammy.
2: Um that's pretty much it.
1: <laughs> I'm a production assistant. You're a skinny legend. You've been editing the episodes recently so that I don't have to do it. Joyce doesn't have to do it either.
0: Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. That's on my, that's on my resume.
1: <laughs> Slip of the tongue, Andreas absolutely is proficient in audio editing. Andre, why do
2: you care that people think you can edit audio?
0: <laughs> Nobody likes soft skills. Hard hard skills matter. But, like, what jobs are you playing? But it's good,
2: bro. Like, I know,
0: compu- they say I know Moving computers, on. you know? Like-
2: <laughs> oh, I can tell. So, John wanted me to get him a salad. <laughs> I, I walk in to Kelly Ryder's house where we record the episodes, and the first thing John says is, Sammy, can you get me a salad from Sweet I said, Cream? Would
1: you want to get me a oh, salad?
2: Okay.
0: Sorry. Honestly, homophobic because Sammy was promoted from intern moving
2: up yeah, we, j- emotion. Emotion. we
1: changed the thing we call him the made up title okay you're the production assistant and in my humble opinion it would really assist the production if I had a salad right now <laughs> what pesto is- portobello with like heavy like dressing and bread It's like
2: chewing salad the entire episode is not the aesthetic you know and that's why we
1: pay you because <laughs> you have those insights yeah. that are really key and then you'd get the salad in your teeth <laughs> salads are homophobic <laughs> <laughs> Um, Sammy is a skinny legend. <laughs> we were at the DP banquet together. Did you have a good time? What do you think of the DP so far as a freshman?
2: I think the DP is fun. I've sort of overcommitted to it in every capacity. Um, I was, I was on news last semester and I hated that. Every single person <laughs> in my department quit <laughs> after oh, <no>. that semester. Maybe <laughs> We'll leave that out. <laughs> but, um, no, I love the DP. It's fun.
0: Sammy, what do you think of... What did you think of John and I when you first met us? Because, like, you were introduced to us by Joyce. So what did you think of us? Wait, I was.
2: I feel like I met you before. I think... For the ep Ada. Like, didn't we meet at, like, the Beijing...
1: I had already met you before that.
2: Oh, right. At the Pai Lam. (laughs) Wait, yeah, that's actually kind of funny. At Pai Lam, like, the second night of NSO when they threw the gay party... And, like, a Fergie song came on. <laughs> oh, yes! And I pretended to like Fergie. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait. <laughs> pretended to like Fergie? Well, no, what I like her. I
2: pretended to be a Fergie stan, I would say, that night. And then... At... What was the motivation for pretending? Well, I don't know. You just asked me, and I was like, I have to, like, make friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it worked, then, because I literally was like, guys, there was this freshman named Sammy... Who is a Fergie Stan, and like, there aren't many Fergie Stans, so I've got to find him and ma- befriend him. So, your little your little deceitfulness. It worked.
0: Wow, well, the first time I saw Sammy was in the studio.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Sammy, what did you your... think of me? Oh,
1: okay.
0: No, I want to know what you <laughs> thought of me first. <laughs> I,
2: I thought Andreas um, was very nice. I think, like, the balance between your personalities is very good. Um, <laughs> this is like a lot of judgment. it's <laughs> <was> a compliment. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think Andreas is, like, quieter, but in a good way. Not that, like... (laughs) Not that, like, you're loud in a bad way. (laughs) You're both, like, different volumes, both in good ways.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Um, Sam, are you single? Mm Mm-hmm. Looking for love?
2: (laughs) Isn't everyone looking for love?
1: Um, You'd be surprised. Can potential suitors email podcast at the DP. Sure. com to reach you? <laughs> then Lauren will get <laughs> to you. <Yeah. laughs> she could forward them to you. Sammy, I think, is a delight. We're so happy to have him. Thank you. And anyone out there who doesn't know Sammy, get to know Sammy. He's
2: an asset to Bottoms on Top. He really is. Bottoms on Top is an asset to pen. You, <laughs> you You heard <laughs> it here first, folks.
1: Okay, get out. <laughs> bye sammy bye. hello nick
3: hello thank you for having me you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> um what's good um not much i'm just chilling nick i work for you now Yeah, John is my um, columnist. John has a sex column. It's called 69th Street. It's a part of 34th Street. That's 34st.com. You can submit um, salacious questions to him and he will answer them.
1: That's true. I hope you've been pleased with my work thus far.
3: I have. I really have. Very titillating to me. Um, So today in my corner of the room, we're going to be doing another installation of Gay Icon or No, Do We Claim Her? I would love to repeat the definition of a gay icon for Andreas and John, just so they're aware of the stipulations. (laughs) Yes, please. So, according to Wikipedia, a gay icon is a public figure, historical or present, who is embraced by many within LGBT communities. Some of the main qualities of a gay icon often include glamour, flamboyance, strength through adversity... And androgyny and presentation. So please mind the four pillars <laughs> as, we, as we move through these
1: selections. So it's glamour, flamboyancy, struggle Strength for adversity, adversity, and androgyny and presentation. Yes. This is more rigorous to than the keep the these in mind. So, wow.
3: so we'll start with an easy one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Crab Devil from the Powerpuff Girls.
1: Yes, obviously. Of course. She's claimed? Absolutely. Yes, what's what's yes. the name there? Her. Right, something like that. I think it is. Sorry,
3: or him,
0: or is it him?
1: Crab devil with goatee. (laughs) I just got Andreas's karmic in my eye. (laughs) (laughs) If you'll excuse me for a moment, you picked your own poison. I did. What's next? What's next?
3: Um, we have the pig from If You Give a Pig a Pancake. (laughs) 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 Yes or no? Okay, I would say there is no adversity there. The pig. If I recall correctly, the pig did not get a pancake originally, but then the pig did get a pancake. Is that not an adverse situation? <laughs>
0: um, it's going to be a no from me, for adversity at least.
1: I, I personally, I would love to see a sequel where the pig comes back more famblu- flamboyant than ever, and then we'll claim her. That's fine. Next we have
3: um, Muriel from Courage the Cowardly Dog.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> that bitch is going through it every single day. Quite androgynous, if I have to say so myself. Everything she does is facing adversity. Her husband. She's got a deadbeat husband. She's, She's like, got haunted a constantly.
3: shit dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, next up we have Madame Zeroni from Holes. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, do we claim?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Any basis? Um. I actually. Have already planned my Halloween costume with my friend Carrie, who this year we were Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. Exactly. Next year we're going to be Madame Zeroni and Stanley Yelnats. The first. We're still looking for someone to be the hog. Nick, maybe. I'll you be the can. hog. <laughs> I was going to be the, the sweet onions or the peach jam. <laughs> <laughs> the sploosh. The spoosh. Oh, yes, Ooh.
3: of course. Um, I have next up Eva Peron. Absolutely.
1: Well. Like, are we are we thinking about her as a character or her as a per- human person in history? That's
3: for you to decide. I'm just the name supplier.
1: Okay, I would say yes either way. Who? Avita, <laughs> oh. <laughs> sis. Minus one. Oh my god. Who? Okay. Who? Let's do a little history and culture lesson here. Eva Perón was the wife of the Argentine leader in 19th, and it was a if you were paying attention in AP World History, it was a big cult of personality and they were very famous. And then after there was the Andrew Lloyd Webber musical, right, and Patti LuPone originated the role <laughs> and then just performed at the Grammys and then Madonna starred as Evita in the film adaptation of the musical.
0: Okay, so, yeah. I'll claim her.
1: If I had to rank actual Ava Peron, Madonna as Ava Perone, and Patti LuPone as Eva Perone, I would probably do Patty Ava Madonna.
3: That's true. As it mm. should be. Um here we have a we have a good one. Um let's do Bjork.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's easy. Softball, one. yeah. Okay, well let's do a hardball. Uh Rita Ora. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I do I got called for <laughs> jury duty today. And um, they were playing live with uh, Kelly and Ryan, because Ryan Seacrest is the co-host now, and Rita Orr was a guest. Oh, my God. And I really don't know anything about her.
3: I don't like her either. I think she's been through some adverse situations. I was talking with my um, good friend, Andreas Nolan, um, and there was an episode, I believe... Other Andreas, as he's known. (laughs) The other. And... um, there was an episode, I believe it was The Voice, Germany, where she showed up um, unannounced, like, trying to, like, surprise the contestants, like, like, oh my god, like, I'm Rita Ora, but they didn't know who she was. No! <laughs> so that counts as strength to adversity for me. That's true. Isn't
0: she, like, friends with Igloo Australia, right? Or is she, like, Itchy working Ariola? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she is, right? Yeah. I
1: believe it. I, I believe. Lily Allen, who I am the only surviving fan for. No, you cannot
3: stand her anymore. I
1: absolutely do. Anyway, she had a lyric on her last album that was like, I don't give a fuck about that a girl, blah, 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 blah. And so I feel like I'm not supposed to like her. So I, w- I will not claim Rita. I Laura. love
0: Z-level, ce- Z-level celebrity beef.
3: Oh, give her her time. <laughs> next up, we have Anna Nicole Smith. Yeah. Absolutely. I would say redefined what it means to be a sugar baby. To be a sugar baby and still be able to have a barbed wire tattoo. <laughs> 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 um, next, we have rotisserie chickens. No. Oh, yeah. Hell How no. could you say no?
0: Rotisserie chickens are one of the nastiest inventions of oh, humankind. No, they
3: are the queerest poultry. They are
0: always... <laughs>
3: <laughs> They've got their little legs tied all bondage style, yes. and they're dripping in grease. They are a little rope bunny all lubed up. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> let, let that be stricken from the records. <laughs> <laughs> um next up we have abba oh
0: my god yes yes of course i was reading about abba the other day and
3: what were you reading
0: i was reading about how like they're just a legend like because like of what they did for music and because it was a book about music that, but like not, not, about, but <laughs> <laughs> not about abba like <laughs> this is a stretch maybe but like not about abba it was just like dropping their name you know
1: it was me i wrote the book We love that Mamma Mia 2 is coming. We love that Cher is in it. We love that they won Eurovision. We love it all. We do. Um, Next up, we have Edna Mole. (laughs) It's Edna Mode. Edna Mode. I like Edna Mole better. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, can we get a fact check on that? Mode or mole? Edna Mode. Thank Thank you, you, podcast at the (laughs) (laughs) DP.com. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, claim her. Fashion icon. Hmm. A role model, I would say. In what ways? Uh, I just think there are all these superheroes that people thank for saving the day. But really, she's behind every strong superhero. There's a strong designer who designed their outfits. You exactly. Know? no capes. No capes.
3: And we don't have a lot of representation of the gay lisp. And I think she's about as close as it comes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have uh, Freddie from iCarly. <laughs> Do we claim him? He just had a baby. I still think he's gay. I haven't
0: seen a recent picture. I'm gonna say he's
1: like five two, I think. Okay, well okay, six five, quote unquote Nick Joyner. Quote <laughs> Let me let me just say a quick thing about how Nick Joyner used to be six four on Grinder and then one day magically he grew an inch and became six five. I went to <laughs> SHS and they measured me. <laughs> <laughs> the classic post SHS grinder stats update. Like, and then you, you messaged me as soon as it happened.
3: You're like, I see you've grown. <laughs> we love character development. Anyways, no, we don't claim Freddy. We claim Gibby. We claim Gibby. True. um, Because of his tapenade. (laughs) He was gay. Which brings me to a similar character. Um, I've always had contentious conversations about who the gayest character in SpongeBob is. Is it SpongeBob or Squidward? I would contend Squidward. Mm. Thoughts.
0: Squidward is more gay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree.
0: His activities. Squidward likes art. Playing the clarinet. Gagging on the
1: clarinet. Woodwinds are...
0: Gay. Yeah,
3: quite gay.
0: Mm. It's a gay instrument.
3: Um, I have one last one. Um, this is for all you people on Twitter. Um, do we claim them, the FBI agents watching us through our webcams? <laughs> Hell yes. They see <laughs> shit. Gay <Okay>, icons. <laughs> all right. Do you claim yours? I don't. Actually, I, I do claim them because I'm too scared of like putting tape because I don't want to mess up my screen. Mm. So they
0: see it all. Yeah, I don't put tape either, but I just don't care.
1: Yeah, I'm like... Let me put on a show for you, <laughs> Daddy.
3: I look. I hope I'm being like live streamed naked into like another part of the world.
0: Every day is Instagram live time, guys.
1: <gasps> if you're not live you're not living. True. Okay, thank you, Nick. Thank That's you.
0: It. So John and I are here with our friend Seb Dombrowski, and we're going to talk a bit about androgyny today. Welcome, Seb.
4: Hi, it's great to be here. <laughs>
0: it's great to have you. So I think that um, before we start the conversation, I think the first thing we want to say is that we're, today we want to talk about androgyny more in the sense of like presentation, not really in terms of like non-binary gender identity, just to like put that out there first, because like we're not trying to have a conversation really about that, but mainly just about androgynous presentation. So I think with that our first question is some people they change their looks up all the time like people always go through these uh, makeovers how has your personal presentation changed over time and style in terms of androgyny?
4: I think like a lot of people my style has changed a lot it's maintained certain aspects like I still I've consistently dressed in black and in relatively similar silhouettes since I was uh, in high school but I was a pretty pretty princess in like second grade that was that was definitely my <laughs> identity um in high school I know I definitely dressed a lot more in menswear and uh definitely more androgynous silhouettes I got mistaken for uh, men often on the subway it was, it was it was fine being a tall person it was kind of it was always kind of cool knowing that I somehow hit that and ambi- that sort of I landed in that area of ambiguity I I enjoyed that in college I kind of started switching it up I wear skirts now too sometimes typically black ones but um, <laughs> yeah
1: and do you remember your original intention behind starting to dress more men's clothes in high school
4: um, I think a lot of it actually was just it was more comfortable for me because I'm I'm five foot ten I have relatively broad shoulders a lot of women's wear didn't fit me that well plus um, I know that my mom actually always sort of combined and she uh, she used to work in fashion and she still is very involved in it at least in terms of styling herself she's always sort of mix and matched menswear with women's wear so I definitely took some inspiration from her.
0: <laughs> so I think that for a lot of people, it may be difficult to try and basically um, bring and bring androgynous styles into their like, own wardrobe. So how does someone who's interested in bringing in more elements from androgynous styles like into their own life go about doing that, you know?
4: Um, I think a lot of it is uh, coming up with a curated aesthetic that you want to sort of that you want to sort of embody and present uh pinterest is great for that even though i kind of feel like a mom like a middle-aged mom sitting there <laughs> pinning all these little things uh, <laughs> but um it's just a great the key is sort of just knowing what you want to look like and then it's relatively easy to start incorporating stuff into that and like if you have a female body or something it's a lot it's a lot easier i think to sort of dress in a more androgynous way just because, like, it's typically more accepted in society, although recently it is, I guess there's this wave of, um, of gender-neutral clothing for men becoming more popular as well with, like, the Jaden Smith uh, Louis Vuitton ad and sort of the rise of the kilt again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you have any androgynous um, style icons or, like, internet personas that you have, like, used for inspiration or look up to?
4: I mean, is it too basic to say Kristen Stewart? She, uh, <laughs> I guess she sort of, um, in a lot of ways she sort of lands somewhere more on the like stereotypical like butch areas I guess, I think, but um, a lot of what she wears also reads as androgynous and that's a lot to do with her, her face and how, she, and how she looks, but um, I really like a lot of her style. A lot of I actually like a lot of Rick Owens stuff in general, just because it's um, the amount of drapery and stuff is really good for sort of exuding this dementorish look, which uh, <laughs> reads as really as re- which reads as really androgynous and also looks kind of badass when you're skulking down the street and your your cape slash your shirt that is detached at the end is trailing in the wind behind you.
1: You mentioned earlier um, that you think that it's easier for women to kind of move into this gray area. Yeah. Um, which makes me think kind of in terms of safety, if you have any thoughts on how men can, in a way that's comfortable for them and they feel safe, kind of go into that area as well. If you, to you it's harder.
4: Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely harder for men just because there's this culture of toxic masculinity and stuff that makes it harder to present in ways that are read as feminine a lot of the time and a lot of uh, androgyny is sort of taking uh, aspects of the masculine and feminine of like what we define as what we culturally define as masculine and feminine and sort of intermeshing them into one cohesive aesthetic i'd say that it's probably easiest to sort of cultivate this androgynous look with uh hair expression growing it out longer is a relatively normal thing, and it allows for more diverse interpretation of uh, one's look, I think. You can put it up in a ponytail, in a bun, you can braid it.
1: We have another question that Andres and I have kind of touched on the subject in our personal conversations because a lot of times we'll have, you know, a good gel manicure. And <laughs> um, I have expressed to him before that, like, if I'm going on a date, it can be uncomfortable for me in the lead up feeling nervous about how the other person might interpret that or might respond to that. Do you have any thoughts about what it's like dating uh, while presenting in an androgynous way?
4: I mean, I definitely do the same sort of adaptation thing depending on who I'm going on a date with. Um, I date girls, guys and gender isn't really a thing I focus on in terms of dating, but I know that with, when I go out on a date with a girl, I'm a lot more likely to dress in a more androgynous, like stereotypically masculine way than I am if I'm going on a date with a guy. I always dislike thinking about that, but it's something that comes to mind naturally. No, like, at least naturally for me. Recently, I'm kind of like working on trying to integrate the two aesthetics more cohesively, so I don't feel like I'm faking it, like faking one presentation for one person and faking a different presentation for another, because I think that's, I don't know. It feels not genuine.
1: (laughs) But it also, I think, kind of gets back to the topic of feeling safe Mm -hmm. in the way that you're presenting in different situations.
4: Yeah, and then it's also kind of, I think about what the other person would probably like, which is also completely silly because I have no clue.
0: (laughs) So I think one final question is, um, why do you personally feel drawn to more androgynous styles or more experimental styles and things like that? Or what initially pulled you towards that, I guess?
4: I grew up in New York City and uh, definitely saw a lot of people in crazy outfits. I spent a lot of time loitering in St. Mark's, which used to, which in like the uh, 80s maybe was, a, was sort of the, a big punk sector for New York City and Manhattan. But uh, you still see a lot of people in crazy outfits there. And walking through Soho, you see people constantly um, taking photos for their blogs Dressing, up to Im- dressing to impress, and I think that because I was exposed to so many different styles, I kind of ended up... I know I saw someone once wearing, like, head-to-toe health goth. This was, like, early 2000s, too, so it was it was before the whole joggers, athleisure thing kind of got super big. And I remember, and so I was on, like, Broom Street or something, and I saw someone wearing... They had uh, half their head shaved, the other half was bleach blonde, and they had super drapey, layered uh, black clothing. And I kind of just looked at them and I was like, that's awesome. Uh, (laughs) So that was probably a big inspiration for me.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you to that person.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Wherever
1: they may be. We've got one more. Sorry. Joyce is very demanding. (laughs) Um, Do you find yourself acting differently depending on the manner in which you're presenting yourself?
4: I mean, I know my body language is definitely slightly different, but I don't know whether that's uh, intentional or if that's just me not trying to flash people when I'm wearing a skirt. <laughs> 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 um, but I don't know. I think I, def- I probably stand differently. I find myself, I kind of picture myself in some grunge magazine when I'm wearing more androgynous clothing versus when I'm uh, presenting more stereotypically femininely. I think it's, I feel like I try to call less attention to myself, (laughs) which may just be because I'm used to city catcalling, stuff like that. So I think I definitely feel a little more comfortable when I'm not, when I'm dressing androgynously.
1: (laughs) Empowered, perhaps.
4: Yeah, possibly.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for being here.
4: Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you, Seb. Have a blessed day. Thanks for listening to Bottoms on Top with myself, John Holmes, and my co-host Andres Pavlu. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. We record in the Wexler Recording Studio at Kelly Writer's house, and we want to give a special thanks to The Daily Pennsylvanian, our producer Joyce Varma, and Andrew Ellis, who provides our theme music. You can find him on SoundCloud as Dummy Fresh. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or conspiracy theories, feel free to email us at podcasts at thedp.com. We'll see y'all in two weeks.